It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Lower Mainland gun problem. As a parent, it's terrifying. With bullet-riddled windows replaced at a toy store, why it's tough to feel safe anywhere right now. Pregnant women demand vaccine priority. Women who are pregnant are getting sicker. They're getting sicker faster. The added risk to mother and child from COVID-19 and more fallout from conflicting messages. And a vicious cougar attack, where it happened and how the victim was saved. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Police are looking for the suspect in the latest broad daylight shooting in a very public place. This one Monday afternoon at a Langley shopping mall outside a Toys R Us store. As Sarah McDonald reports, even police are shocked at the fact the shooters don't seem to care anymore when or where they open fire. This scene should be shocking, but by now, gunfire erupting in very public places in broad daylight. It was like boom, 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 boom. Has become almost expected seemingly anywhere at any time across Metro Vancouver. It's just not even trying to hide it anymore. It's just like get her done and that's it. It's stressful and it's getting worse every day. The latest location where innocent bystanders were nearly caught in the crossfire, a packed Willowbrook Mall in Langley. Bullets flying just steps from a children's toy store at 3.30 in the afternoon on Monday. It's terrifying. I, I, I don't know what to say anymore. The city's second brazen shooting in as many weeks, leaving even Langley RCMP at a loss for words. There's just no saying where it's going to happen. Well, you know, this time it was Toys R Us. Last week it was in front of a daycare. The intended target of those bullets in this case now hospitalized in critical condition. Investigators will only say he is a 28-year-old man who is known to police, but won't confirm his shooting has a gang nexus. That's despite it having all the hallmarks of a gang hit. This torched getaway vehicle confirmed connected to this case. Found burning in Alder Grove not long after witnesses say suspects fled the scene. I seen the truck and there was like five guys and he raced around the parking lot and then the police showed up two minutes later and there was like 20 cop cars that showed up. But not in time to catch whoever pulled the trigger. So this case, like so many before it, remains unsolved with no suspects in custody. With two and three days, you know, there is a certain set, sense of anxiety. But I want everyone to know that certainly all police departments in the Lower Mainland are working closely together, supporting each other in their investigations, sharing information. And that includes any witness accounts or footage from members of the public. I don't think the intention is ever to hit a bystander. At the same time, it's definitely a consequence a lot of times. Once again, forced to duck for cover to dodge bullets during a daily outing. Sarah McDonald, Global News. Well, still more questions than answers tonight surrounding the fatal shooting of corrections officer Bikram Deep Randawa. Today, Delta's police chief said the brazen shooting has all the hallmarks of being gang-related, and that is being investigated as a possibility. Grace Key has more on how they're hoping the public can help them solve the case.
This act is unacceptable for us in Delta. We're known as one of the safest cities in Canada. The Delta mayor and police chief assured residents that the community is safe after a brazen daytime shooting outside a busy shopping mall. Delta is not part of the integrated homicide investigation team, but the mayor says they have enough cash reserves and resources. We actually have reserves in place for emergencies such as this. Those reserves will be available to the chief to board to ensure, again, that the full resources of the Delta Police Department are available to solve this crime. 29-year-old correctional officer Bikram Deet Randawa was gunned down about 5 p.m. Saturday outside Scottsdale Center Mall. A motive is unclear. Police will be looking into his private life, if this is a case of mistaken identity, or if this is linked to his profession. Corrections officers, like police officers, uh, have a very dangerous and challenging job. They interact with some of the most violent people uh, uh, in our society. And so when something like this happens, I want the perpetrators to know that the police will not stop until they have solved this case. Cell phone video moments after the shooting captures a man running through the parking lot and speeding off in a gray Mazda SUV. Police believe the suspects headed southbound on Scott Road, went westbound on Highway 10, and then northbound on Highway 91 before torching the car along the 3700 block of Clinton Street in Burnaby. It has all the markings of gang-related, meaning the burned-out car and, and how it was carried out. But certainly we can't confirm that at this point in time, but we are investigating whether it is gang-related. If you have dash cam footage, video, or photos of the incident or getaway vehicle, you could now submit the evidence directly to the Delta Police website. Investigators will be working with the integrated teams and police agencies throughout the Lower Mainland as they work towards solving this murder. Grace Key, Global News. Vancouver police are now confirming their officers have been in contact with the woman at the center of sexual misconduct allegations against Vancouver Canuck Jake Vertanen. The VPD says their detectives contacted the woman on Monday regarding her social media posts detailing the alleged assault in the summer of 2017. On Saturday, the Canucks placed the 24-year-old winger and former first-round draft pick on leave. The VPD says that to protect the integrity of the investigation, they won't be making any further comments about this case. It's being called an historic day as the new Surrey Police Service unveils its official crest. The crest is emblazoned with the words honor, integrity and respect and features elements of Coast Salish art and stars representing the city's six town centers. The mayor says the force will be modern, inclusive, innovative and accountable. And unlike other Metro Vancouver communities such as Vancouver and Delta, the Surrey Police Force will be part of the integrated homicide investigation team, at least to start. Yes, uh, Surrey Police Service will be part of IHIT and the other integrated teams uh, for the near future. We have not uh, discussed uh, the long-range plan as of yet, but uh, safe to say that all the five integrated teams uh, Surrey Police Service will be a part of. The Surrey Police Service is expected to have just over 800 officers and 325 civilian employees. While no official date has been given for the transition from the RCMP, the new force is hoping to have boots on the ground by sometime later this year. Politicians and public health officials are in damage control mode one day after the National Advisory Committee on Immunization 
suggested Moderna and Pfizer are preferred vaccines, contradicting advice that the first available vaccine is always the best choice. As Aaron MacArthur reports, doctors are frustrated by the mixed messaging, and some who have received their first dose are second-guessing their decision. 1.7 million people in Canada have been vaccinated with the shot made by AstraZeneca, including the Prime Minister. I am extremely pleased that I got the AstraZeneca vaccine. Uh, a number of weeks ago. When the National Advisory Committee on Immunization announced Monday the mRNA vaccines made by other companies are preferred options, doctors were left frustrated by the poor communication. The way that NACI has delivered this message is quite concerning for many of us who are working on the front line. I think that introducing even more confusion into the, the game right now can have pretty significant negative consequences. Some people started second-guessing their choice. After all this news broke out and the change in messaging, the mixed messaging, um, I'm considering not even getting my second dose and just getting um, a mixed, maybe my second dose will be Pfizer, Moderna. People might have that option. Mix and match studies are being carried out in the UK. Data expected to be made available in just a couple of weeks. There is even preliminary evidence that suggests different technologies might offer greater protection. It's news the healthcare community in Canada is eagerly watching. There's a commitment to ensure that those who received the first dose are given advice on the best um, vaccine to use for the second dose. The decision on what vaccine to get for the second shot might not even come down to safety. Supply remains the biggest hurdle. Canada is expecting tens of millions of mRNA vaccines through June into September, but only a fraction of that amount will come from AstraZeneca. Because Canada has stretched out the window for a second dose to 16 weeks, there is still time to assess what strategy will be most effective. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. BC's COVID-19 positivity rate is moving in the right direction. We posted just under 700 new cases today, bringing BC's total to 132,353, with 7,161 of those cases active. 486 people are in hospital, 173 in the ICU, and just under 11,000 people are in self-isolation. One more person has died. All right, let's bring in Keith Baldwin now to talk a little bit more about these breakthrough cases, as they're called. Mm -hmm. Keith, these are people who become infected with COVID-19, even though they have been vaccinated. So what's going on here? Yeah, very interesting. We've been asked many questions about how many people are getting sick with COVID-19, even after their vaccination, even after two weeks lapse after their vaccination. Uh, the answer is very little. So 1,700 cases thereabouts, which is less than 0.01% of the people vaccinated out there. So again, a very low number. And Dr. Bonnie Henry disclosing yesterday, those cases are now separated from the other cases for special study to see if the variants of concern played any role in terms of infecting these people post-vaccination. Here's Dr. Henry. So it's not the variant that makes the difference. It's what we are trying to do to reduce transmission. And so far, we've seen that vaccination has been very effective in doing that. So when we see people who have been immunized, who become sick, we prioritize those to make sure that we're not seeing breakthrough more often with one, one strain of the virus than another. So that's how we're using our whole genome sequencing right now to make sure that we can detect and, and test anybody who's had a breakthrough case. And we've had about 
uh, I think there were last I saw about 1,700 cases in people who have been immunized with either one or two doses of vaccine, um, mostly one dose. So again, a very low percentage of people who vaccinated uh, end up getting the COVID-19 virus. And even those who do get it, Sophie, the vast majority have a very mild form of the illness. I do note, though, as of April 7th, 18 people uh, over the age, mostly over the age of 80, who had got the vaccine, in some cases two doses, still passed away from it. But again, their immune systems were near as strong as younger people. So right now the vaccinations and the vaccines we're using are proving to be very effective for keeping the worst case of uh, getting COVID-19 uh, into your body but evidence why we still need to be careful even if we have yep. been vaccinated. All right, thanks for that, Keith. Pregnant women are now eligible to receive the COVID-19 vaccine across BC. They've been moved up the list because it's been found they have an elevated risk of getting sick from the virus. As Richard Zussman reports, it's welcome news for mothers-to-be who wonder why it's taken so long. Leslie Cardi knows when welcoming someone new to the family, there's a lot to do. And so she was thrilled to check one big thing off her list, her COVID-19 vaccine. To know that I have one more measure to hopefully keep me safe until this baby comes is a huge relief. And Cardi pushing for many more pregnant people to join her. Women who are pregnant are getting sicker. They're getting sicker faster. There's a higher percentage that they're going to get in the uh, hospital. Help now here. The B.C. government making it clear Tuesday they are prioritizing vaccine for pregnant people 16 years of age and older. There is uh, good safety data so far with the vaccines in pregnancy and no reason to believe that we will see concerns, particularly related to pregnancy. Ontario has been prioritizing pregnant people for weeks. And that's what's been so frustrating for Andrea Fraser, as BC has failed to deliver on vaccines sooner. The Society of Obstetricians and Gynecologists of Canada called on all provinces to prioritize those who are pregnant as of April 15th. That's two and a half weeks ago. Um, the fact of the matter is that BC is the last of the major provinces to make this group a priority. And Fraser isn't alone. The priority switch actually took place Monday, but the province slow to communicate to soon-to-be moms. Other than asking my midwife about, you know, is it possible for me to get the vaccine while pregnant? I haven't had any other communications from any public health, you know, outlets or anything. There's also a push to bump those breastfeeding up the priority list, but studies show their risk is not as high as those that are currently pregnant. So although they won't be prioritized, they are encouraged to get the shot. There is um, building evidence that it appears that antibodies will cross into the breast milk, uh, but more research is needed to fully understand that. Back to Cardian family, excited one vaccine is down and hopeful it will be the extra layer of protection needed before the new addition to this family arrives. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Another cougar attack in B.C., this one on a backcountry road near Agassiz. What it took to get the victim to hospital for emergency treatment. That's next on the News Hour. A number of suspicious fires spark fears of an arsonist in the Okanagan. That's coming up on the News Hour. And the snowbirds return to BC after last summer's deadly tragedy. That's later. 
Right now, though, a B.C. woman is in hospital tonight with serious injuries after being attacked by a cougar. As Ted Chernecki reports, it appears the attack happened near her own property. This attack happened early this morning in the Harrison Mills area of the Fraser Valley near Weaver Creek and Morris Valley Roads. The victim lived on a remote property. The call came in from an unidentified male at about 8.15. Eventually, one of three ground ambulances transported the victim to an air ambulance where she was airlifted to Royal Columbian Hospital with serious injuries. Conservation officers are still looking for the animal, though they're not sure which way it went. But we do suspect that um, it did occur at this location here. Uh, we're situated at the, roughly at the 10-kilometer mark of the we Harrison West Forest Service Road. They received uh, puncture mark wounds consistent of uh, a cougar attack and uh, they were substantial in nature. Encounters with cougars are rare, but in recent weeks they've become more common. Last month a cougar was euthanized in Port Moody after what conservation officers called an escalating public safety risk. In the days prior there had been several cougar sightings in yards and near people, where the animals showed no fear of humans. In the past 12 months, the BC Conservation Officer Service has had more than 80 cougar sightings in the Belcara, Anmore and Port Moody areas, though many of them might have been the same animals. Until this latest cougar is located, the public is warned to take precautions. Normal behavior for cougars are that they're very solitary and they don't make a lot of contact with humans. Uh, so it, you know, chances of seeing a cougar in that in the wild are rare. If located, the cougar will be destroyed. Ted Chernock, Global News. Just ahead, a dealer takes a customer's car for a joyride. My initial thought was, yeah, maybe somebody stole the thing. How he found out his car wasn't where he left it and the shocking reaction when he called the dealer on it. Also tonight, baby on a plane, a surprise birth at 30,000 feet. Traffic is steady off the North Shore towards the Iron Workers Memorial Bridge this evening on Highway 1. Just some minor delays through this usual construction. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Ironworkers Memorial Bridge. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. On the heels of emergency aid for Air Canada and Air Transat to refund travelers for flights canceled due to COVID, many are wondering if Ottawa's bailout will, ex will extend to the other airlines. Our consumer reporter, Andrea, is here with more. And Thanks, Chris. WestJet is negotiating with Ottawa for potential financial support, while Sunwing is also in talks. Industry experts say any relief packages would have to include refunds. Meantime, WestJet's refund process for canceled flights started last fall, but there is confusion over how refunds apply to WestJet vacations. Now, you may recall WestJet started processing refunds last October for customers who 
flights were canceled during the pandemic, regardless of the fare class booked. The airline's website states that guests who are eligible for a refund to original form of payment due to a WestJet vacation canceled by WestJet will be contacted. Only WestJet vacations guests who canceled more than 45 days prior to departure or more than 21 days for U.S. destinations are currently eligible. Sunwing has extended travel credits until the end of September 2026 for customers whose non-refundable travel was cancelled as a result of the pandemic. When asked if it will be offering refunds, Sunwing said, we are aware that Air Canada and Transit have reached agreements with the federal government that address customer refunds for cancelled travel due to the pandemic. Our conversations with the government are ongoing and we look forward to continuing discussions on the issue of refunds for customers with non-refundable bookings who have received a future travel credit amid the pandemic. We're getting close to the end of, of the saga associated with refunds. I think that the government has made it very clear that any sort of financial assistance that the industry would be getting um, would be tied to the refundability or the refunds of all passengers whose flights were cancelled um, as a result of uh, COVID-19 restrictions in early 2020. So um, and anybody who's come to the table uh, with the government for, an ad- for, a, for a deal on financing has to accept that condition. Air Canada's deal with the federal government includes nearly $6 billion in financial support, while Air Transit received up to $700 million. Both airlines are required to use a chunk of the repayable loans to refund travelers for cancelled flights. And a reminder, if you have tried unsuccessfully to secure a refund for a flight cancelled due to COVID, if eligible, you can start the refund process through Consumer Protection BC. You'll find all the information on the Consumer Protection BC website. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right, and thank you. Well, you take your car to a dealership for service. You leave it overnight. You expect it will be safe. But what if you found out your car wasn't where you thought it would be? That's what happened to an Ontario man. Global Sean O'Shea has his story. It all started with a faulty backup camera and a trip to this Nissan dealership. They said that they needed to keep the car probably for a couple days, and they offered me a loaner, and I said, sure. An experience that ended with Frank Steady calling police later that night. Well, my initial thought was, yeah, maybe somebody stole the thing. Dude, where's my car? Steady thought the worst when he checked the new tracking app on his phone. He just agreed to let his new insurance company monitor his driving. He could also see his car remotely, and it was far from the Nissan dealership. We called the police, and they, you know, they were flabbergasted as well. The Ultima was traveling well above the speed limit on Highway 401, at one point reaching 148 kilometers per hour. Destination, 90 kilometers away. Police found Staddy's car on this street in Woodstock. Turns out it wasn't stolen after all. It was driven here by a dealership employee. When Staddy went back to the dealership for an explanation from the service manager the next day, he didn't get an apology. Instead, Staddy says he was blamed. He kicked me out of the office and he said that he was going to call the police that I was tracking his employee legally. I had permission to take the vehicle home and we informed it was, it was out of town and there's three witnesses to that. Steady says he didn't authorize the dealership to let its service technician drive the car home, let alone make a 180 kilometer round trip and at high speed. No, I, I, no of course not, because that was, 
yeah, with them for a couple seconds, I agree. And I don't know, again, I wasn't driving it, so I cannot answer that question. Technicians do sometimes take vehicles home with permission so they can road test for problems. Nissan Canada told us it's now arranging for another dealership to repair Staddy's rear camera. It seems as though we have no rights and we don't know what you know these mechanics and dealerships are doing with their car. He's left with a camera that doesn't work after a mechanic's high-speed road trip, one that may have his insurance company believing he's a driver who takes risks. Sean O'Shea, Global News, Milton. Still ahead, political hypocrisy. Just like many of you, it's been a very difficult time for me and my family. Rosslyn's mayor faces more backlash for her trip to the U.S. while encouraging others to stay local. Also, a new definition of COVID-19. What to do if you're packing on the pounds during the pandemic. We want to get BC moving. Move with us each day in May for the 2021 Workout to Conquer Cancer Benefiting BC Cancer Foundation. No matter where you are, we can all move to feel good and support cancer patients in BC. Traffic is steady in both directions over here this evening at the Alex Fraser Bridge, which is some minor congestion for eastbound traffic on the connector between Knight and the S-curve. For home-to-car insurance, BCAA's local experts are here for all your insurance needs. Visit bcaa.com. I'm Trish Julison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Well, the mayor of Rossland is still not speaking to the media about the backlash over her travel to the United States. Kathy Moore has admitted it was a mistake to head south of the border to get vaccinated and visit her family. Kylie Stanton has the details and the controversy over the travels of another B.C. City Council member. Just like many of you, it's been a very difficult time for me and my family. But unlike so many British Columbians who've stayed home to stay safe, this mayor has done quite the opposite. To me, it was a, it was a disappointment. Absolutely unacceptable. Rosalind Mayor Kathy Moore left the small community in the first week of April, going south of the border to get vaccinated and spend time with her family. She says she has dual Canadian U.S. citizenship and was open and transparent about the trip prior to leaving. But that hasn't stopped the outrage on social media with comments like, wow, just wow, this is infuriating and this is what privilege looks like, folks. And I question that being a very good example and I hope it's an adequate explanation. Then there are the accusations of hypocrisy. The city touts the message, stay local, play local. Three, two. And back in February, Moore spoke out against this photo of Olympic gold medalists from out of province enjoying apres ski at the Red Mountain Resort. We're trying really hard uh, not to encourage that kind of thing, but it does happen. Moore cancelled a scheduled interview with Global News at the last minute and was unable to provide further comment. But former Rosalind mayors are weighing in, claiming she went as far as telling staff to be evasive about her whereabouts. All City Hall would say is the mayor instructed us only to say that if anyone asks, she's not in the area. And to me, that's like lying. And now what happens next, I guess, is a matter of conscience. Moore is not the only politician facing backlash. Langford councillor Matt Stolstrom left last week, also headed to Arizona. Mayor Stu Young confirms he went to tend to his property there, but does not know when he'll return. I realize that it was a mistake. As for Moore, she has since issued an apology. She's still in the U.S. and plans to fulfill her duties remotely until she returns. I was wrong and I apologize for my decision. Kylie Stanton, Global News. 
The case of the wealthy Vancouver couple accused of duping their way into vaccine doses in the Yukon has been put over for a couple of weeks. A lawyer represented Rod and Ekaterina Baker at a hearing in a White, House, a White Horse courtroom today. The couple faces charges of violating the Yukon Civil Emergency Measures Act for allegedly taking a private plane to fly to the remote Yukon community of Beaver Creek and misrepresenting themselves to get their shots. That was back in January. The matter is now scheduled to be back in court May 18th. Well, we've heard about the freshman 15, but what about the COVID-19? A new report from Dalhousie University looks at how the pandemic has affected Canadians' health and food habits. Essentially, the pandemic really um, got us to lose our food bearings, I guess. Sylvain Charlebois, director of the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University, says prior to the pandemic, many people had a routine when it came to meals and snacks. Everyone lost that uh, abruptly and violently back in March of last year. And so uh, people struggled to uh, find some sort of a new normal, uh, food normal. For many, the pandemic meant working from home, perhaps at their kitchen table. So the temptation probably was there. And because of the added stress and expectations related to work and being online all the time, probably contributed to uh, some unhealthy weight gains or losses. If you found yourself reaching into the fridge or snack cupboard more than often over this past year, well, you're not alone. According to a new report, around 42% of Canadians have gained some weight since the start of the pandemic. Of that group, around 60% said they gained between 1 and 10 pounds. Psychotherapist Tanya Kovalenko says it's easy to let adding a few extra LBs impact our mental health. I've put on a bit of weight. There's a quick jump from that to shame. So I'm bad. I'm a failure. I'm unacceptable. But she says it's important to remember the contextual factors that led to those changes. For many of us, the past year has been filled with more stress and anxiety. When somebody, say, homeschooling kids, um, trying to do their job, make meals... Chocolate might be the thing that's going to that's gonna help them at the end of the day. It's going to soothe them at the end of the day. Putting on weight might have been, you know, the factors that led to that might have been the way that we've survived this time. If you feel guilty about, about your weight, just don't. Uh, you shouldn't. Charlebois says the report is an invitation for people to think about their post-pandemic lifestyle rather than focusing on a number on a scale. Katrina Squazin, Global News. Well, now we're hungry. Yeah. <laughs> Up ahead, a flight that landed with one more passenger than it had at takeoff. This guy just came out of nowhere. The happy coincidence that kept mom and baby healthy later. But first, the Snowbirds tribute to a fallen team member in the sky over Kamloops. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Kelowna RCMP and the Kelowna Fire Department are investigating what they say is an increase in human-caused fires popping up across the city. We've seen a trend in the last uh, few months since January of 2021 of an increase of uh, human-caused fires, uh, primarily in behind businesses in the dumpsters and along the rail trail. According to RCMP, local officers and the Kelowna Fire Department have responded to a significant increase in dumpster fires and fires along the rail trail. They say all of them are suspicious in nature and are serious cause for concern.
We are very concerned about it. That's why we're bringing it to the attention of the public, um, especially as we come up towards the summer here in the Okanagan. Uh, fire season uh, in this area of the world is always something we take very seriously and we're hoping uh, that information comes forward that helps us solve this matter before it becomes more of a threat to the community. Kelowna RCMP are asking the public to keep a sharp eye out for anything suspicious. Yeah, uh, obviously nobody wants to see a, another fire season like we've had in, in previous years. Christy's with us now to take a look at uh, some of the sunshine and whether that's going to continue for us. Christy? Thanks so much. Yes, uh, we had uh, nice conditions right across the province today. In fact, I'm going to show you what the hot spot across Canada was today. But first, this photo coming out of the Bear Lake area, which is just north of Prince George. Karen sending us this, and this is a thunderstorm cloud, a cumulonimbus cloud. And what you see in the front there is what we call a shelf cloud. That's that pointy bit. And that's the leading edge of either a line of thunderstorms or an actual uh, single thunderstorm. And that actually can be the most damaging part of a thunderstorm because it's the downdraft that creates that shelf cloud. Thank you, Karen, for sharing that photo with us. All right, so we had near seasonal values in many parts of the south coast today. Uh, just a touch warmer, but Asuyus was the hot spot across Canada at 22 degrees. That was rounding up. It was actually 21.6, but uh, conditions are going to get even hotter tomorrow, but we're actually going to see more cloud cover. Temperatures are going to climb, though, with that cloud cover. So here's a look at what we're expecting with uh, that system next system pushing in you'll see dry conditions right across the province but overcast skies so you may wake up to a bit of blue sky but you'll certainly see overcast skies uh, start to push in by the morning hours at the very least it's not until thursday does the moisture push on shore west coast of vancouver island in the morning inland sections metro vancouver victoria will likely see it towards the afternoon hours so one more dry day although we'll see more cloud cover but it should be bright as i mentioned and nice and warm so there you go increasing cloud for your day on Wednesday. Any sunshine you see there is really in through the morning hours and temperatures into the low 20s right across the southern interior and away from the water here in Metro Vancouver as well and out through the Fraser Valley. Thursday afternoon is when we're expecting the rain to return and it is looking unsettled through until Mother's Day but there's some bright spots so keep tuning back in. We'll refine that Mother's Day forecast for you and find out when those sunny breaks are over the weekend or will be over the weekend. Tonight's central windows weather window from Kelowna. This was the sunrise this morning at 6 a.m. She said it was just stunning as the sun peeked through the clouds there. That is gorgeous. Thanks, mm -hmm. Donalyn, for that. That's a keeper. Thanks, Christy. Dunning is right. All right, a bittersweet day in Kamloops as the Canadian Forces Snowbirds made their first visit to the city after last year's tragic crash. The Snowbirds touched down in Kamloops for a quick refueling stop on their way out to CFB Comox. The stop comes nearly a year after the May 2020 crash that took the life of public affairs officer Captain Jennifer Casey and injured pilot Captain Richard McDougall. The accident was later determined to have been caused by a bird strike. The entire Snowbird fleet was put on a four-month operational pause after that crash. They are now training for their summer show season, which has a number of tentative dates in Canada and the U.S. We wanted to show our appreciation for what the city and the population has done for uh, for us last year. Uh, it was it is hard for the team to go back. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hide it. A lot of the team members are uh, having a difficult time, but uh, I think it's it's important for us to uh, to show the population that uh, we appreciate really much what uh, what they did for us last year. 
The Snowbirds say they didn't publicize their visit to Kamloops in advance because they didn't want to attract a crowd and endanger people's health during the pandemic. Sure is good to see them back in the air, though. All right, Squire is here now. Uh, back at it again tonight for the Canucks, Squire. Yes, and back at it is also Connor McDavid, who is closing in on 100 points in a 56-game season after four points last night against the Canucks. It's incredible the way he sees things on the ice, and that's he's just at another level. You know, we used to say that in the 80s about a different Edmonton Oiler who had a number in the 90s. Now it's McDavid, used to be Gretzky. Also to come tonight, a woman goes into labor on her flight to Hawaii. Why that was probably the least shocking part of her story. All right, before we get to the Canucks, some big news about the farm team. I know. I like this news. This is years overdue, I would have to say, a long time overdue. The Canucks have told the American Hockey League they want to move their farm team from Utica, New York, to Abbotsford in time for next season. What is needed is approval from the AHL Board of Governors, and they have to work out a deal with the city of Abbotsford. But I think both of those things are very likely to happen Abbotsford, of course, was the home of the Calgary Flames farm team. Remember the Abbotsford Heat, 2009 to 2014? But the uh, whole time they were there, the feeling was this should be the Canucks spot instead. Now, if it's all approved, make that, the uh, Canucks will change the nickname. They won't be the Comets when they come to Abbotsford. This is a good move. I like this a lot. You might remember the Canucks played an exhibition game in Abbotsford uh, against Ottawa back in 2019. You know... 2019, back in the days when masks were only worn by goalies, nobody in the audience wore a mask. The uh, thought of getting their farm team in Abbotsford is something the uh, Canucks have had on their minds for a long time. And it would be nice to have a crowd once again, just like the old days. Um, Of course, tonight the Canucks have no crowd. They are at home, though, to Edmonton once again. The uh, Canucks are basically out of a playoff spot right now. The math is pretty much over for a miracle playoff rally to catch Montreal. So let's see some of the kids. Give them a chance. And with that in mind, defenseman Jack Rathbone will play his first NHL game tonight. A defenseman who skates very well, has very good offensive skills. They're excited about this guy. Nine points in eight games with the farm team in Utica. But actually, the Canucks coaches haven't seen a lot of him live because of border restrictions. Now, have we had a real solid look at him? Uh, No, even in practice we haven't. But... uh... The kid's a gamer. Uh, you can just tell that he, he loves coming to the rink. He loves being around the team. Uh, he wants to learn fast. Uh, and, he, you know, and this is one of those times where you're, you know, you get excited for a kid because he's, he's getting to realize his dream a lot like Lynn the other day. What we are witnessing with Connor McDavid is the best offensive season since Mario Lemieux in 2000-2001. That year, Mario averaged 1.77 points per game. 43 games he played that year. That's when he came out of retirement to restart his career. This year, McDavid is at 1.88 points per game going into tonight's contest, which means he can do the unthinkable, at least it was unthinkable at the start of the year, and get to 100 points in a 56-game season. He's at 91 now, and he still has four games left against 
the Canucks. The chances of a century mark for Connor are pretty good. McDavid intercepts at center. Here he comes, turning on the Jets. McDavid shoots, and it's in. If there was any doubt about Connor McDavid reaching the 100-point plateau, McDavid erased it last night with his four-point performance. The NHL's runaway leading scorer now just nine points shy of the century mark. The speed is hands, but his thought process, and that would be deception included in that, is incredible the way he sees things on the ice and that's he's just at another level you know the situations he goes in and he'll buy time to find people that are coming late or have a look and know where they are and then he concentrates on something else but he still knows where that person is it's it's that's an incredible ability that he has shot by mcdavid right off the ground loose puck in front they score tyson berry came in off the point the thing you have to respect admire and above all appreciate about Connor mcdavid is he doesn't get cheap points He's a generational talent who's without a doubt the best player in the world. And to give you an idea how sensational the season he's having, in the last 40 years, only seven NHLers have reached 100 points in their team's first 56 games. If this was a full 82-game season, McDavid would be on pace for 51 goals, 98 assists, and a staggering 149 points. Uh, you get a totally different feel for a guy and, and kind of what they're capable of when you play with them and um, I think that's definitely the case this year uh, you know obviously you, you see the highlights and you know they're good and you play against them you know a couple times a year but you don't uh, you don't get a true feel until you play with them and, and see how how special they are on a nightly basis and, and um, how they drive to play every night is, is pretty incredible. Points per game is a pretty good indicator of how you can score. Right now, these are the all-time leaders. And as you can see, Connor McDavid is fourth best at this moment. Uh, last night, Tom Wilson did Tom Wilson things. Uh, took down Artemi Panarin when he had lost his helmet. Almost smacked his head on the ice. Luckily, he didn't. He did suffer a lower body injury, though. But this morning, the NHL didn't feel this was worth anything more than a $5,000 fine for Tom Wilson, even though Wilson has been suspended numerous times in his career. What's more remarkable than Wilson only getting a small fine is what the New York Rangers did this afternoon. They put out a statement basically saying the NHL should fire the head of player safety, George Peros. Teams are usually afraid to complain about the referees after games. Here, a team is asking the NHL to basically get rid of one of its executives. It said that he is unfit to have that job. The NHL hasn't responded yet, but what I think they're doing right now is going, how much do we find these guys? Let's figure this out. Uh, the CFL is holding its draft tonight of Canadian talent. The Lions had fourth pick overall in the first round. They went with defensive lineman Daniel Joseph out of uh, the University of North Carolina. Iowa University offensive lineman Alaric Jackson went to BC in the second round. I'm not sure if the Lions expect either of these two to be starters this coming season, when there's a season, if there's a season. But another Canadian option on the defensive line is something they can always use. Take me down to Manchester City where the grass is green, but the weather isn't pretty. This is uh, the second game between Manchester City and Paris Saint-Germain to decide who one of the finalists will be in Champions League, and it's going to be Manchester City. Two goals by Riyad Mahrez. This one's nice. So the boys in the lighter blue are going to the Champions League final for the first time in that illustrious team's history. They'll find out who they'll meet tomorrow. Little guns and roses to end things off. See?
Well done, Squire. Thank you. <laughs> Always the right answer. Uh, all right, Colleen Christie is here now with a preview of Global News at 11 tonight. Colleen? Chris, we will have more on the hunt for the suspect in that brazen daylight shooting Monday afternoon at a Langley shopping mall just outside a Toys R Us store. Tonight, we talk to a doctor involved in helping preventing kids from joining gangs. You'll want to hear what she has to say. And as the province encourages us all to be vaccinated, we'll have more on the Surrey Board of Trades push to have all of Surrey prioritized for vaccination, not just certain neighborhoods. Those stories on all the night's news coming up at 11. Chris? Sounds good. Thanks, Colleen. Well, they say it takes a village to raise a child, and it also takes a plane full of just the right passengers to deliver one. That's next. A woman who says she didn't even know she was pregnant gave birth on a Delta Airlines flight from Salt Lake City to Honolulu. And thankfully, there were several experts on hand to help out at 30,000 feet. It was supposed to be a vacation in paradise, but somewhere over the Pacific... This guy just came out of nowhere. It turned into one heck of a birthday. Lavi Munga didn't know she was pregnant when little Raymond arrived at just 29 weeks gestation. She had little baby Raymond in her hands and she was like, <laughs> scared look. Lainey Bamfield knew just what to do. She and friends Mimi Ho and Amanda Beating were headed on a girl's trip. But back home, they're neonatal intensive care nurses. If you think about it, yeah. Like, Having a preterm baby and having not one or two, but three NICU nurses, I think is incredible. They sprung into action along with a doctor on board. We made baby warmers out of bottles that were microwaved. We used an Apple watch to measure the heart rate. Nice round of applause. On the ground, mom and baby were taken to a local hospital where they recently reunited with the heroes. She called us his auntie. Doctors say Raymond should be able to go home in the next few months. Just feeling lucky and blessed. After what can only be called the trip of a lifetime. Kristen Dahlgren, NBC News. And she gets an extended stay in Hawaii, so... All good. Yeah, it worked out. A couple extra months. They, they didn't They didn't try to charge her for an extra. Hey, wait a minute. That's an extra person now. <laughs> I, hope they bumped, yeah. I hope they bumped her to business class. Yeah. That would be amazing. Uh, still <laughs> a gorgeous looking evening in behind Christy there. Um, and uh, it's kind of been that mm -hmm. way all day. Yes, blue sky all day. Now, tomorrow morning, some areas will likely wake up to sunshine, but it won't last long. We will see increasing cloud, but it will be mild and dry throughout the day tomorrow still. All right. Thanks, Christy. And thank you all for watching. Hope you have a great evening. Good night, all. Good night.